0: Coming up on the Keto Camp podcast, we bring on Dr. David Harper.
1: There are essential fats and fatty acids. There are essential amino acids and proteins. There are no essential carbohydrates. Even fiber, which you know, we could talk about whether that's beneficial or not, but let's say it is, even fiber is not essential. In other words, you don't have to eat it to stay alive, but you do have to eat proteins and fats to stay alive. So where we got this misguided notion that we should be reducing fats as much as possible and increasing the carbohydrates that we don't even need, you know, that was way off course like 50 years ago and we're still stuck with that crappy model and people won't give up on it. <laughs>
0: I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, hope you're having an awesome day today. We've got a great episode all about keto. You're going to geek out with Dr. David Harper and myself. We took a deep dive into how beta-hydroxybutyrate, keto, the ketogenic lifestyle, how that helps mitochondrial health inflammation as a way of reducing your risk of cancer. Dr. David Harper is an amazing researcher. He holds a PhD. He's the author of an awesome book called The Bio-Diet. And I met him in Salt Lake City, Utah. We were both speaking at Keto Salt Lake I spoke in the morning and he happened to be the speaker right after me. And I remember coming off stage and him giving me a fist bump and me watching him speak right after me and he rocked the stage. He shared on stage what he's going to share with you today. So we took a deep dive into his backstory, losing his mom to breast cancer. And then we get into why he believes if you change your nutrition for the better, you could reduce your risk of disease by 70%. We get into this triangle of disease obesity, insulin resistance, and inflammation, and how keto helps with all three of them. We get into how cancer cells love glucose, some of Otto Warburg's breakthrough discovery research from a long time ago. We get into beta hydroxybutyrate, AMPK, mTOR, autophagy, histone deacetylase. Don't worry. He unpacks that and explains it very well. So you to really get this and put your thinking cap on, you're going to love this and geek out with us. We get into the difference between being in ketosis and keto adaptation. We get into a very important topic I'm sure you want to learn about, which is cholesterol on keto, LDL, HDL, triglycerides. What's the truth here? How do we understand if this is working for us? or against us, how to have a better conversation with your doctor who wants to put you on a statin, the blood markers to get, inflammatory blood markers, the optimal ranges, we get into glucose and ketone ranges as well, and so much more. You're going to love it, and I want you to get his book as soon as we're done with the episode over at biodiet.org. Before I bring on Dr. David Harper for an awesome masterclass on keto, I want to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is from Maria, who is actually in my Keto Camp Academy. I know who you are, Maria. Shout out to you for your awesome rating and review. Here's what Maria said. Five-star review titled, Love the Energy. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months. Everyone you bring to the show has amazing applicable information. I have been using much of what I have learned with great results. I listen to it when I go on my bike rides and I love it. Love your energy and your interest in the interviewed. You have an amazing ability to let each person be and to understand and duplicate what is being said. Take what is most important and transmit it to your community. Keep up the outstanding job, Ben. Thanks. Wow, Maria, that is an amazing review. I'm so grateful for that acknowledgement. That is actually a goal of mine, to share what my speaker, my the person I'm interviewing, has shared maybe in a scientific way, but to share it in more of a easy to digest sort of format. So thank you for understanding that and seeing that in me. And I'm so grateful you're in my Keto Camp Academy and you're listening to the podcast during your bike ride. Maybe you're on your bike ride right now. Have an awesome bike ride. And we appreciate you very much, Maria. Thank you. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet, please do so right now. It really helps the show grow. And hey, maybe I will read your review. On the next episode, let's get right into this episode with the man, Dr. David Harper. Dr. David Harper, PhD, is a health educator and cancer researcher, and he has studied the impact of diet on human health for many years. The culmination of that extensive work is The BioDiet, his new book, a ketogenic regimen that he created in 2012. The significant weight loss and health improvements he experienced led Dr. Harper to counsel hundreds of people on the bio diet in clinical trials and on a personal basis with consistent, impressive results. Dr. Harper is an associate professor of kinesiology at the University of the Fraser Valley and a visiting scientist at the BC Cancer Research Center, Terry Fox Laboratory. He holds a PhD from the University of British Columbia and completed a postdoctoral fellowship in comparative physiology at the University of Cambridge. He's on the Scientific Advisory Board of the Canadian Clinicians for Therapeutic Nutrition and a member of the Institute for Personalized Therapeutic Nutrition. Here's Dr. David Harper. Dr. David Harper, welcome to the KetoCamp podcast, my friend.
1: Well, wow. glad to be here, uh, uh, Ben. And, you know, we talked to over the years about doing this. So it's it's great to be on your show finally. I listen, I just want to thank you for doing this, for doing the, the hard work and spending the time to get the right information out to the general public. It's such a service because there's so much noise out there, you know, on the internet and, uh, and social media. And, and, you know, your show provides really good science-based, evidence-based uh, information that will help people live happier, healthier lives. So, so I, I really want to thank you for that off the top.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that acknowledgement. And the work you're doing is amazing. This is going to be such a valuable conversation for the the Keto campers who are listening and watching. I'm super excited for them. So those who are tuning in right now, you chose the right episode. This is going to be, I believe, life-changing information for you and the people you share it with. And so for those who don't know, me and David, we first met in person at Keto Salt Lake in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, I was blessed to share the stage with David and so many other incredible speakers as a matter of fact you were right on after me and I remember coming off the stage you giving me a fist pump and then you hitting the stage and me watching you in action and you gave such a, a brilliant lecture and we'll extract some of those nuggets from that lecture and some of the studies you've been doing but I want to start actually with a quote that I heard you sh- share before and then we'll get into your your backstory so here's the quote it's an ancient Ayurvedic proverb when diet is wrong medicine, is of no use. When diet is correct, medicine is of no need. What does that quote mean to you, David? Yeah,
1: it kind of sums up a movement amongst clinicians and researchers. Uh, I'm part of a group in in Canada, I'm here in Vancouver, called the Canadian Clinicians for Therapeutic Nutrition. And it's sort of a um, a food-first approach to chronic disease. If we can improve people's uh, health significantly, and I, I think we can actually, through diet, decrease your risk of chronic disease by about 70% in kind of a back of the envelope calculation. So why wouldn't you do that first before you start, you know, giving people drugs and cutting off bits of their body and, you know, stapling stomachs and things like that? Why wouldn't you try the natural solution, which is, which is food first? So that's what it tells me. If you get the food right, if you get the fuel right, a lot of those other things will correct themselves. I know you've experienced that and, and I've experienced that in the people that we counsel and at your keto camp and the people in our clinical studies, um, you know, we don't always get the same results with everybody all the time, but one result we always get is everybody just feels better when they've adopted a well-formulated ketogenic diet. So, so yeah, I think that's, I mean, I am an advocate, I'm a scientist, but I, I, I had my own sort of aha moment. And, uh, and now I'm trying to get as many people out there to hear that message that, that they should try it. It's not necessarily for everyone, but uh, why wouldn't you try you know, a method that doesn't include uh, putting drugs in your body or, or, or having other huge uh, lifestyle changing events? You just change your diet. And it's a happier, healthier diet too. It tastes better and it's more satisfying. and yeah. And, but 100% of the people I've counseled over the last 10, 12 years, they say they feel great. You know, so if that's all you get out of it, you're already ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that was a bold statement. I mean, if, for those who missed it, you said you believe if you change your nutrition, change your diet to a healthy diet, it could be a ketogenic diet. You could reduce your risk, prevent disease by about 70% is what you said, just from diet alone. And that's probably a conservative number right there.
1: Yeah, I think it's... it's. Uh, so I have this model in my book, BioDiet, and, and I call it the axis of illness. You know, it's kind of a takeoff on George Bush 1's axis of evil. So illness are the three things that we do have a ton of scientific evidence to show they're at the root cause of most chronic disease. When we talk about chronic disease, Ben, we're talking about cancer, cardiovascular disease diabetes, Alzheimer's, those sort of uh, metabolic-related conditions. And the three factors there that, you know, you can look in the research yourself, what percent of diseases are related to obesity, insulin resistance, or inflammation, and that number 70% just keeps popping up. And so uh, what a ketogenic diet does is address all three of those, the insulin resistance, we can talk about that, everybody kind of knows what obesity is, and then inflammation—we're talking about chronic systemic inflammation. If you can address those three things, anybody in the allied health uh, services will tell you that you're going to have a huge impact on the incidence and severity of chronic disease. So, yeah, no, I think I think it's a it's a good back of the envelope number to work with.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's very hopeful. I love that. Well, we're going to dive deep into those the three areas of that triangle before we do that, and before we get into some other cool things. I mean, I know your backstory and you you lost your mom to breast cancer. So maybe you could share growing up, um, living, going back there with your mom getting sick and how old were you? And was that the, the inspiration to really start to research cancer and the development of cancer in uh, our population?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I sort of came into uh, the cancer research end of this a, a bit later in my academic career. So I'm a, I'm, my background is in mathematical biofluid dynamics. And I've you know, i been teaching uh, anatomy and physiology and pathology and health for almost 40 years now, university level. And uh, so, yeah, my mom died when I was uh, nine, just turning 10. She'd had breast cancer. We would now, you know, I'm guessing it was probably what we would now call triple negative breast cancer. They didn't have those tests in those days in the 60s. And so she was all sick while I was growing up. You know, we were kind of the classic Protestant family. We didn't really talk about it, you know. And but uh, you know, I mean that you know, that affects you when you're when you're a kid and your mom dies when you're nine and the rest of the family kind of pulls together. And so I, I've always been interested in health and health care. And so it is kind of nice that at the end of my towards the end, I'm not finished yet, <laughs> towards the end of my academic career, that I'm now you know, addressing the very disease that took my mother's life when I was a child. And so that that to me is just rewarding and, and we're having a, a positive impact. And I, I, we should say off the top, it's not a cure for cancer, Ben. Like it, it, we're having positive clinical effects that we can measure, but I don't want people to go away from this saying, hey, you know, I saw, you know, uh, Ben and Dave talking about keto and cancer and it's a cure. It's not. It, it, it's, uh, we, it, it, we've had some very good results, but it would all be considered emerging science at this point. And the sample sizes are small, but the results are good, and we can get into that.
0: Would you say that the best cure for cancer is prevention? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what people ask me. So I finished now, but I was a, a visiting scientist at the, the British Columbia Cancer Research Center, which is one of the world's leading cancer comprehensive cancer research centers here in Vancouver. And um, that's where we did our work. We were doing immunohistochemistry on blood samples from the patient population with Dr. Jeff Bullock's group uh, at the Ohio State University. So uh, that's that's what we did. And so because I work at a place like that, people often ask me, you know, what's the, what's the best treatment for cancer? Or whatever. And it's really like, just don't get it in the first place. We go, once you get it, we have treatments and they're getting better and better, but it's way easier to just not get it. And Ben, the other sort of bit of good news we have to get at people is, I think, you know, as the, the aging population, my age group and so on, they I think people resign to the fact that when you age, you know, when you're 50 and up, 60 and up, you just get heavy and you get sick and you need drugs and you need operation. You don't like you're getting those largely because you've been eating a diet that was causing those conditions to progress. And the really great, great news that we can deliver today is that by reversing, by changing that diet, by eliminating the sugars and high refined carbohydrates, uh, you can actually reverse most of those disease conditions and quickly. I mean, we've seen people you know, that have been diabetic on insulin for a decade and six weeks into uh, a well-formulated ketogenic diet, they don't need any medication anymore and and their insulin resistance is back to normal. And, and so, so yeah, we're finding now it's reversible. Even some of the, you know, cardiovascular disease, the atherosclerosis, it's, it's reversible if you can limit that inflammation that causes that. So it's, it's all very exciting and very promising. And so it's, uh, you know, one, one thing I like about the, the community, the keto community, is we're supportive of each other uh, as we're doing today, but we're very much interested in evidence-based results and not not hype. So, you know, what we're pre- what we're presenting to you is the science, and I can get as geeky as you want to get on the science, right down to the cellular molecular level. That's the level at which it's being studied by some of the best researchers at some of the best universities and research centers all over the world right now. So it is it is not a fad diet. It's for real. It's here to stay. And you can really improve your life if you you know, want to adopt a, a well formulated like, ketogenic diet. And, and your keto camp is a great way to get started.
0: Yeah, thanks, David. Yeah, it's, it's a metabolic process. There's nothing new about keto, to your point. It's been around for as long as humans have existed. And what we essentially have is a keto deficiency. Not enough people are tapping into this amazing process. So what you do with your book, BioDiet, and your work, and episodes, conversations like this, it helps people become aware that. It's not just a fad weight loss tool. It's actually an amazing process that does so much more than help you lose weight. The weight loss is a side effect of your body and your metabolism starting to repair itself. Your triangle in your book, obesity, insulin resistance, and inflammation. So let's talk about how keto tackles all three of those areas.
1: Sure, okay. Well, um, I guess first there's a recent paper by David Ludwig uh, and others, including my colleagues Jeff Bullock and, and, and others, uh, and it was, you know, the old model of that calories in, calories out view. If we start with the obesity, is it, kind of pretty much been disproven at this point. I would say I don't think there's. They've they in that paper they've looked very hard. It was out uh, in the fall in the Journal of uh, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition by Ludwig et al. Um, we can probably put the the name of the paper in your in your liner notes there for people who want to see it. It's, it's very approachable and readable. But they basically look at the four or five arguments that would say that a calorie balance, you know, calorie surplus causes obesity. And so you have to, you know, it's calories in, calories out. It's dieting and exercise. And it turns out that model just doesn't work. There isn't any scientific... Ed- in fact, the evidence points to, you know, what we call the carbohydrate insulin model. So that obesity for most people Obesity is a result of chronic exposure to a high carbohydrate diet, especially a high glycemic index, carbohydrate, those fast absorbable sugars that you get in from sugar, but also starches and and you know breads, pasta rice, that sort of thing. All of that elevates your uh, blood sugar level dramatically, and and our natural body response is to secrete insulin. So insulin's a good thing. it's a it's probably the most powerful hormone that we have circulating. It does a lot of different things, stimulates protein synthesis. Uh, we usually think of it as absorbing you know, sugar from the blood into the cells, especially fat cells, liver cells, uh, muscle cells, uh, to be used as a fuel. But insulin, um, depending on how much insulin is in the system, can also bias your system towards storing uh, sugar as fat rather than burning it in the cells. And so there's a condition called hyperinsulinemia, which is too much insulin in the blood. And that would be absolutely, there's no question, uh, stimulated by a diet chronically high in carbohydrate, So now you have a lot of blood sugar, and you have a lot of insulin in your system, and those two things will promote obesity. There's no question of that.
0: Would you say a diet that's naturally high, well, I shouldn't say naturally, but that is high in carbohydrates, what goes along with it is that you're constantly eating throughout the day, which could contribute to the problem as well?
1: Yeah, it, well, you get you get a hunger. There's there's two other hormones, leptin and ghrelin. That you know, ghrelin's kind of the go button, uh, makes you want to eat, and leptin is the satiety button that makes you stop eating. So those get affected too uh, by that high carb diet. But also, when you eat a lot of carbs and you excrete a lot of insulin, the insulin takes because there's more insulin than you really should have in there. It takes out more carbs than you really want to take out, and when your carbs are low, that's when you get hungry. So that's one of the things that affects the hypothalamus and creates that sense of hunger and you want to eat and what you probably want to eat at that time is something starchy because your body's saying I need some blood sugar I need something starchy I need some sugar and so you get it it's the classic thing you know people the standard american breakfast i like standard american diet sad cuz it's sad so you know people think this is healthy i'll get up i'll have some cereal with orange juice and toast and all that stuff and yogurt whatever it's all just loaded with carbohydrates and sugar so i have this huge boost of sugar which causes a huge insulin uh, rush and then what happens at like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning is you're starving because that excess of insulin has pulled all excess sugar out of your blood, and now you're hungry again. So you just get in that cycle. And there have been studies, we've known this for more than a decade, about 15 years, that that, that, that kind of eating, the, the standard American diet, it just keeps your insulin levels way higher than it should be all the time. And that is an abnormal state. It's homeostasis is broken down. You have forced your body into a state it doesn't want to be in. And so anytime you're out of homeostasis, out of that balance, you're going to get an illness. So what what I consider, those those three factors, the, the insulin resistance, the obesity, and inflammation, not only are they all three independent factors that cause chronic disease, but they all make each other worse, right? So obesity makes insulin resistance worse. It makes inflammation worse. Inflammation makes the other two worse and so on. And so you get this vicious cycle and eventually... You know it sort of spins off as a chronic disease when it's defined you know as soon as your blood sugar is at this point then they say okay now you're pre-diabetic at this point now you're diabetic so it's a number they're looking at right and so you get to the point where you where you have a chronic and i actually think all of those chronic diseases are different manifestations of the same thing that's happening at the mitochondrial level and i know just a, a week or two ago you just had a, a great show on on uh, looking at mitochondrial function and dysfunction The mitochondria are the little organelles within the cells that are responsible for energy conversion. And they have a little bit of their own DNA. They reproduce inside your cells and so on. So healthy mitochondria, healthy metabolic state, right? Unhealthy metabolic state, unhealthy mitochondria. So what we really want to do is get those mitochondria in optimal shape and reproducing quickly. And and exercise is a fantastic thing for that. but, But diet can do it as well. And so that's that's really kind of the way I view chronic. Disease. I presented that model all over the world to researchers and scientists and, and physicians and, and clinicians. And, and everybody goes, Yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's pretty much the way it works. So so I like to give people simple models, right? In that model, obesity, you know, you can measure that. I don't need to tell people how to do that, but it's it's in biodive if you want. Insulin resistance can be measured pretty easily. There's a, something called HOMA-IR, which is the homeostatic model assessment, which you can calculate if you measure your insulin levels in the blood. So this is, you'd need to do a clinical blood test, but you can calculate your insulin resistance, or your physician can do it for you. Um, and then inflammation—that's one that you you know you generally hurt. You know you you're, you ache some pains all over your body. And people say, "Oh, I'm getting older. I hurt all the time." you don't have to <laughs> uh, but but it is a sign that you're chronically inflamed and that inflammation by the way is at the root cause of most cardiovascular disease which causes heart attacks and stroke they're not caused by fat in your diet or cholesterol in your diet we know that now it's caused by inflammation that's the root cause and so we need to control that inflammation in the system and eating sugar and high glycemic index carbohydrates is highly inflammatory eating vegetable oils. I know you're a big one on, you know, other than say olive oil or or avocado oil, but those crappy vegetable oils, super high in omega-6, super inflammatory. So, and I think you presented a great slide uh, at your presentation in Salt Lake City saying, you know, if you're going to smoke a pack of cigarettes, uh, correct me if I'm I'm paraphrasing here, for like 20 years, what's your risk of lung cancer? It's maybe 25%. If you're going to eat really crappy Uh, Highly inflammatory, like uh, canola oil and all those other vegetable oils, for 20 years, what's your likelihood of cardiovascular disease? And it's like 100%. Like you are. Yeah. So it's no wonder we have all these problems. And all those diseases, you know, if you look at diabetes, look at obesity, which itself is a disease, there are comorbidities. So if you have obesity, you're way more likely to be diabetic. If you're diabetic, you're way more likely to have Alzheimer's. Uh, Either of those, you're way more likely to have cardiovascular disease. So to me, the diseases can have their own names and treatments, but the root cause is the metabolism at the cellular molecular level, right down at the mitochondrial level. So And you can make your mitochondria healthier through diet and exercise. Yeah, exactly.
0: What a great explanation. That triangle, it's very important to understand that. So for those watching or listening, you might want to rewind it a little bit and unpack that a second time. It's obesity, insulin resistance, and inflammation. And we're talking about chronic inflammation, not acute inflammation from a Sprained ankle or something like that. If you listen to my podcast for some time, you have heard me talking about these digestive enzymes called Masszymes from Bioptimizers. Masszymes are naturally derived enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. And these have been a life changer for my digestion. Whether I'm eating carnivore or keto or flexing out of ketosis. Masszymes makes a big difference for me and my digestive system's ability to process and digest the nutrients I am consuming. For those of you who have never tried Masszymes, it is your chance, so listen up. This month only, KetoCamp podcast listeners can get a free bottle of Masszymes. Optimizers, the makers of Masszymes, are offering a challenge. For my KetoCamp podcast listeners, they are offering... A free bottle, and all you have to do is pay the shipping fee. That's it. Really, no other purchases required. Their challenge is simple. Try MassZymes and see all of the positive changes of enhanced digestion and nutrient absorption. If your digestion issues, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals are not gone, after you take a full bottle, you've lost nothing. But if they are, your life is back on track. To get your free bottle of Mass Zymes, head over to masszymes.com slash keto free and enter the coupon code keto camp 10 That's it. We'll drop that link down below with the coupon code. So go give it a shot. Let's see what it does for your digestive system. It's masszymes.com slash keto free with the coupon code keto camp 10 All right, let's get back to the conversation. And when we think about obesity, right, and we think about what causes us to gain weight, of course, it's insulin and and insulin in excess. And carbohydrates will produce the most insulin response from that pancreas. Of course, processed carbs will do it more than whole food carbs, complex carbs, but it's still a problem when you eat it in excess. And the average American is eating about over 300 grams of carbs per day and eating it frequently. So ketosis, the ketogenic diet, of course, you're eating more fat, less carbohydrates, you're naturally lowering insulin, which is gonna help with the insulin resistance part. So that right there is taken care of. Now the inflammation part, I wanna focus on the mitochondria level. How do ketones communicate with the mitochondria? How do ketones lower free radicals, reactive oxygen species? How does ketosis
1: lower inflammation in the body? It's a really good question because there's two angles we can look at. So this is going to get a bit geeky for those folks a little bit into the cellular molecular biology. Let's so, get geeky. Yeah. So um, well, when we're talking about ketones, actually, they're, they're ketone bodies, right? Because ketone is like acetone. So ketones are produced when you metabolize fats as opposed to metabolizing sugars. You produce ketones. And the ketone that's produced at initially is mostly acetoacetate. And that's the one that's measured in those breath ketone meter things, if you've seen those.
0: Acetoacetate isn't that in the urine? Acetone in the breath?
1: Uh, sorry, yes, you're correct. Sorry, the acetoacetate is the urine test, the strip test. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, it's the acetone you get in your breath. I, I got that mixed up. <laughs> um, but what you really want to measure is the beta-hydroxybutyrate. That's the beneficial ketone that's that's in your blood. And you really have to do a blood prick, like a glucose monitor type. That's what we do in our clinical studies to get an accurate measure of that. So it does two things. One is in in cells, there's something called the nlrp3 inflammasome (laughs) the nod like receptor protein 3 inflammasome so it's, it's basically if you look at a picture of inflammation within the cell that molecule is right at the middle of it and it sparks the inflammation within the cell so we think of inflammation as you know swelling and redness and heat and those classic things but it happens at the cellular level too it's very damaging it affects the dna in a negative way it affects the mitochondria in a negative way so one of the things that we know that beta hydroxybutyrate does, which is the main ketone produced when you're in ketosis, is it downregulates NLRP3. That means it reduces the amount of that within the cells. So that's a great way. Also, when you switch to fat metabolism, when that's being metabolized in the mitochondria, it actually triggers more of the antioxidant reactions within the cell. And, and oxidants cause damage. You know, oxygen cause kind of think of like, you know, when you cut an apple or or iron rusting, that's oxidation. And that kind of thing is happening. You're getting kind of rusting happening in your DNA and in your cells if you have too much oxidants. And when you're burning glucose, it's, it's very oxidative. When you switch to what we call beta oxidation by fat production, you produce more of the antioxidants within the cell to help reduce that inflammation. So right at the cellular level, you get that change. Now you can, when you go and get your blood work done for your physical, ask them to do a test called HSCRP, which is high sensitivity C-reactive protein. And this is the best good measure of your overall state of chronic inflammation. So you want that number to be low. If you've just had a a flu or cold or something, don't do it then because you will be inflamed naturally.
0: Or an injury or surgery, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's part of the natural innate immune response. Yeah. Surgery, any of those sorts of things, injuries. So, but if but otherwise, you know that that's the best measure for that, and that will give you a starting point, a benchmark that you can measure against. And when we measure hsCRP in people that have been on ketogenic diets, they, it just it drops dramatically.
0: Do Do you want to see it under one point five? Like, what is the optimal range um, that you want to see?
1: Yeah, I I uh, w- there's a bit of a problem there because Canadians and Americans measure things in different units. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: thinking with my American mind there. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: they they'll give you a range. Uh, where it should be. And generally, lower is better for CRP. Uh, you know, you don't want necessarily to be zero, but but lower is better. And, and if it's high, your physician will notice that that will tell you you're in a state of inflammation, which means something's not right in your system. And that will lead to, you know, erosion of your arteries. And that sparks the arterio- atherosclerosis and arteriosclerosis. And that causes, you know, heart attacks and strokes. And so you want to limit that. Also, inflammation is generally, you know, you, you want inflammation in the short term, but protect yourself from injury and infection, that sort of thing. But long-term, it interferes with all the normal healthy cellular processes of regeneration, repair, and that sort of thing. So you need to dampen that. And ketones do that directly. And the other thing they do is uh, at the cellular level, they upregulate something called AMPK, AMP kinase, which is the molecule that is elevated when you exercise aerobically. And that has all of the downstream positive effects of that aerobic exercise are run through AMPK. So it's the sort of central molecule in the same way that the NLRP3 is the central molecule for inflammation. The AMPK is the central one for all the benefits you get from exercise. And that's upregulated by beta-hydroxybutyrate as well, which is interesting in that in a way, and I'm not, I am not—I think people should exercise, and I'll, I'll say why in a second. In a way, you get many of the benefits of, the, of exercise from a ketogenic diet without the exercise. Now, now, the reason you should exercise is there's no question the best way to cause... No, so there's a lot of talk of autophagy, you know, cell turning over uh, with, with intermittent fasting and so on. So there's more important than that, Ben, is is mitophagy, is the rapid turnover of healthy new, like producing new baby, happy, healthy mitochondria. So that mitophagy, the best way to stimulate mitophagy, exercise, right? So, so you still need to exercise, but you're, now you're getting double the bonus of that AMPK activity. And the third thing that happens at the cellular level with that ketone beta-hydroxybutyrate is you get a down-regulation of something called mTOR, which is the mammalian target of rapamycin. And that's a huge black box of about you know, just, you know, for your listeners, your viewers, just go ahead and Google mTOR, like M-T-O-R, and you'll see it's like 200 different functions at the cellular level. Most of them are growth promoters. Now, you do want to have that, but you don't want to have it uncontrolled, which happens when you're on, when you're inflamed, you're on a high carb diet and you get that inflammation, you, you upregulate mTOR. A uh, ketogenic diet downregulates it to its normal level in the same way it downregulates the insulin secretion to its normal level. That prevents excessive growth of tissues, which is what happens when you have cancer. You have unregulated excessive growth of, of abnormal tissue. So, so that's, again, some of the mechanisms by which uh, uh, ketones themselves have, have great benefit at the cellular molecular level.
0: Such a great explanation. You know, if somebody's thinking about doing keto and they're watching this or listening, they are so excited to, do, to get <laughs> started. With it. I mean, you just explain the scientific benefit, the cellular process of what ketones do, and those are just a few. There's, there's many more, and that's why, for example, when people are are, are following a ketogenic lifestyle, they feel so much better. Their, their cells, their mitochondria are producing more energy. And if you look at just the electron transport chain, you could actually see that. The ATP, which is that energy uh, gasoline of that mitochondria, there's about a 400% increase in ATP when a mitochondria is using ketones versus uh, glucose, right? 32 to 36 ATP glucose molecule and over 120 with the ketone molecule. And that's because of this mitogenesis. Equal mass, yeah,
1: equal mass, because the ketones are very small. So not molecule by molecule, but equal mass, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it, 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 and and your brain prefers it. So your brain now, I I think most people or a lot of people would know there's a, so there's an extra protective layer in your b- brain called the blood brain barrier, and you need special carriers to get things to protect the brain from you know anything that might be circulating in your blood that could cause harm. You know glucose, there's special glucose receptors, a special type of they're called GLUT GLUT transporters that help get that <clears throat> glucose in. And you don't need insulin to get that in in your brain. Uh, you need insulin to get that into your the glucose, into your fat cells and muscle cells, but not your brain, because your brain likes to burn glucose. Your brain can't burn fats. Uh, it can't burn proteins uh, like your other tissues can. It, it can burn glucose. But and for a long time, you know, as a kid, when we went to did our physiology, we said don't oh, the brain can only burn glucose. Therefore, you have to consume 150 grams of glucose a day or your brain will shut." Show- People really?
0: still believe that, by really? the way. I know they do.
1: Oh, I know. Oh, I have people that should know better. Um, no, no. You can you can actually replace that and with with beta hydroxybutyrate. And and there's a it, it's called an MCT transport, Now, it's not the MCT medium chain triglyceride. This is a transporter for for uh, the ketone that gets beta hydroxybutyrate into the brain cells. And if that's available, your brain will choose that first. Why? Because it produces more ATP with less oxidative stress less inflammation and alzheimer's disease is an inflammatory disease so again you're reducing inflammation in the brain how will you know that and you you, you would have seen this in the people that you counsel is people that have you know brain fog they're getting older because a lot of the people we counsel are you know they're overweight they're obese they're middle-aged and, and they're getting brain fog and they think oh it's just part of the aging process you know mild cognitive impairment or whatever uh no it's probably happening as your brain's getting inflamed and that inflammation helps to, you know, promote Alzheimer's-like, you know, dementia and that sort of thing. So, so the, the beta-hydroxybutyrate is anti-inflammatory in the brain. And then it allows the insulin that is needed in the brain to kind of get the fuel to be burned properly. It works better with that insulin. And so, so what, I, you know, my friends call it the Harper High, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I say, wow, you know, and, I, and I, I experienced that, you know, 12 years ago or whatever it was when I keto-adapted. It was like I felt crappy, I had that keto flu. You know, we, we have ways of alleviating that now, but we've learned about, but but then like I think about a week or so into it, I just woke I woke up one day and I it was fantastic, right? I just felt great. And one of one of the women that I was counseling, she said, she came into my office one day and she said, I just want to thank you. And I go, sure, what have, what have I done? And she said, She said, It's like you pulled cotton wool out of my brain. She said, I've had brain fog for like a decade, and I woke up and all of a sudden I had this clarity that I haven't had since I was a teenager. And I thought, wow, that's, I mean, that doesn't happen with everybody, but, you know, that tells you that something profound and good is happening in your brain.
0: Yeah. I've heard so many similar shares like that from my students. It just turns the brain on. And, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of confusion because people think the brain needs glucose. 24-7. And, and it does. I mean, if your body is in ketosis, there's only a certain percentage. What is the, what is the percentage that it could use for ketones? Is it about 70% BHB? Or-
1: yeah. Um King Hill did some studies on that back in the 60s, starvation studies. Um, the best uh, source for the effects of ketones in the brain is uh, Dr. Stephen Cunane, C-U-N-N-A-N-E. He's uh, at University of Sherbrooke, uh, a friend of mine. Um, and he's doing the seminal work on mild impairment alzheimer's and and using ketogenic diets there so yeah in some of those extreme studies you know these are extreme extreme studies of starvation you can you can get up to 70 80 percent of that fuel uh by the ketones that are produced but you don't really want to be there (laughs) what you want to do is you know half and half is kind of nice you know if you can provide if you can keep your Ketone level, uh, you know, we use the one, you know, one uh, millimole per microliter. The, you know, that that's a pretty good level that will allow your brain to use that. The other organ that uses it, and we've seen this in some of our cancer research studies, because we use something called fluorodeoxyglucose to image our patients, uh, to image tumors. And there, so fluorodeoxyglucose, you take an oxygen off, you stick a fluoride on and it's radioactive, so we can make it, it shows up on the imaging. Um, so it's basically a glucose molecule. So we can watch where glucose is going. And because um, something called the Vorberg effect, cancer cells love glucose. They're totally dependent on it. They can't do that oxidative respiration, that electron transport chain you talked about. So they're totally dependent on anaerobic respiration and glucose. So so that's how we image tumors: is we we give them this radioactive glucose, and it goes and it goes into the tumors at about 100 to 200 fold, and they show up. So we're seeing that with our patients. You know, at the beginning of the studies, you can see the heart. At the beginning of the studies before they're keto adapted and it's glowing black too it turns out black on these on these images because it's really using that glucose and remember when you burn glucose it's more inflammatory so when you're burning just glucose all the time that's going to cause inflammation in the heart which causes coronary artery disease and so on when we get them keto adapted and this is just totally an artifact but but their hearts disappeared so you go Oh my God, like their hearts are no longer using glucose. They're now burning ketones and fats, right? Because they're fat adapted. So they're burning fats. So that's why their triglyceride drops. That's why your you know, fat content of your tissue drops. And your heart is happily, your heart would much rather burn ketones and fats than sugars. But if all you're feeding it all the time is sugar, that's the fuel it's going to use, right? So, that is so cool. That is yeah, very that is cool. cool. There you go, the brain and the heart, both super benefiting by the presence of those ketones.
0: And the brain and the heart, what are they most needed for? survival. (laughs) (laughs) The most metabolically demanding um, organs that have the highest concentration of mitochondria makes sense to me. Now, here's something that I want you to answer. People say the brain, you do need glucose, right? Even if you're in ketosis, like where are you getting the glucose from? But they don't understand. Some people don't understand. You don't have to eat that glucose. So how is glucose created in the body if you're not actually eating carbohydrates?
1: Right. So yeah. So when we can talk about the source of ketones too, you can take ketones exogenously through products they have now. So yeah, um, you do need glucose in your blood, right? And so, yeah, and again, the levels, the numbers we use are a bit different. But like you can use the hundred or whatever. I think is the one they use in the states. Is sort of a is that a good level? Yeah, 80, 80
0: milligrams per deciliter. Is I would consider an optimal fasted glucose blood glucose. Okay. So that's
1: so you want eighty. So you can eat carbohydrate all the time and you know it'll elevate and come back down but hopefully it'll stay at that 80 level at least at, uh, when you're fasting now if you don't eat carbohydrates and let's remember that humans evolve not eating carbohydrates we didn't evolve with pizza and cornflakes and that sort of thing we evolved eating like fish and meat and stuff and a little bit of vegetables and berries but mostly animal fats fats first right so if you don't eat it there's a pathway, a mechanism in your liver called gluconeogenesis, which literally means making new glucose. And that's where your liver cells create glucose as needed from non-sugar sources. So it can use the glycerol part of a triglyceride, uh, amino acids are used as well. But, and it'll do that. And by the way, the amount of sugar that you need in your blood at any point in time is about a teaspoonful. So it's not very much. And your liver can very happily do that, and not only is it happy to do that because that's what you know. You think of cats and dogs and stuff that eat meat all the time; they still need to have sugar in their blood. That's how they're doing it, and that's how humans do it as well. That's the natural state, right? And that's what we do at night, and you know we produce that sugar as needed. So the gluconeogenesis is triggered, but also that burns about an extra 250 calories a day to produce that. So we've we've done all these studies to show that. People are keto adapted. There's this extra 250 calories that they're burning every day relative to, you know, other people at basal metabolic rate. And that's exactly the amount that the gluconeogenesis would consume. So yeah, you don't need to consume it. There are essential fats and fatty acids. There are essential amino acids and proteins. There are no essential carbohydrates. Even fiber, which you know, we could talk about whether that's beneficial or not, but let's say it is. Even fiber is not essential. In other words, you don't have to eat it to stay alive, but you do have to eat proteins and fats to stay alive. So where we got this misguided notion that we should be reducing fats as much as possible and increasing the carbohydrates that we don't even need, you know that was way off course like 50 years ago. We're still stuck with that crappy model and people won't give up on it.
0: (laughs) We're still dealing with it, but these conversations make a dent in that. I want to know the difference between being in ketosis, fat adaptation, using ketones, exogenous ketones, and then keto adaptation, which is what you just referenced. Is there a difference in those three, and what is the difference?
1: Yeah, so, so we, we produce ketones all the time. You generally produce them at night. When you're not eating, you'll produce ketones. So it's a natural state, but not at a very high rate because of our high-carb diet in the West, typically. So when you don't, and this is part of the, the keto adaptation, is, is changing your metabolism from one that's primarily sugar-burning to one that's primarily fat-burning. And so I like to think of it like a campfire. You know, the sugar burning is like the kindling. And you can just keep throwing kindling on there all day, but it burns up pretty quickly and it, you know, burns too hot. Fats are kind of like that Presto log. You know, you throw that on there and it'll go for, and you can, and you can only store like three or four hours worth of carbohydrate at, at maximum output, but you can store an infinite amount of fat, right? That's why we've had so much... Uh, with 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 elite athletes, with endurance athletes, you know, once they're fat adapted, they can just go forever, right? Because it, it burns more efficiently too. So the process of switching from like a sugar burner to a fat burner doesn't happen like that. And some people it happens more quickly than others. Some people it takes typically a couple of days. Some people it takes a couple of weeks. Some people it even takes a couple of months before they're fully adapted. So we would recognize that as being in a state of nutritional ketosis. When their normal blood ketone levels throughout the day are between at least 0.5 to 2 millimoles. That's the clinical range we use. So that's in a state of nutritional ketosis. In other words, there's no disease or nothing's happening bad. That's just your natural body state uh, for ketones. The the you know conventional wisdom in, in the clinic for your physician is that your ketone should be zero, because you should never be producing ketones except, you know, maybe. When you're fasting a little bit, but the threshold there is very low. They don't want it to be very high at all. If it's over one, it'll probably be flagged as being out of range.
0: Yeah. Ketoacidosis, right? That's crazy
1: here. Yeah. Well, you know, ketoacidosis. Now, that's a dangerous, potentially fatal condition that happens, in particular, with diabetics that, that are controlled. That's very high. That's like, you know, over 10.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's really a concern for type one diabetics, really yeah. rare outside of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the potentially fatal. And that's the problem is, you know, people like me who teach medical students and so on when they're in their undergrad, uh, we all teach them about ketoacidosis. And, and, and so there's so many people in the medical community that hear keto and they think this right. bad. So you'll still get, you know, physicians that are, have reputations that should know better saying, it's dangerous because, you know, you could end up in ketoacidosis. You cannot end up in ketoacidosis through diet. You would have to have some sort of disease, which we would recognize, hopefully. So there's also the, you know, ketogenic diets, there's different types. So that's, you'll probably hear me use the term well-formulated ketogenic diet, which is what my book, BioDiet, is based on, is the clinical diet. And when I say clinical diet, don't think hospital food. It's really, <laughs> it's really tasty, good food. But it's what we use because it's been designed specifically to maintain ketosis in our patient population. So it'll take a couple of weeks. So I, I, I've got a guitar in the background. Do you play guitar? I don't, no. Well, if anybody has out there, you know that if, you know, you got a fret and, and after a while you start getting calluses on your fingertips, right? Why do you get those calluses? Well, any sport, really, you know, tennis, golf or whatever, you'll start to get calluses. Well, it doesn't happen like right away. But those are proteins, keratin is being produced in response to a stimulation. So In our cells, there are proteins being produced that are part of the enzymatic pathway that allow that beta oxidation, that fat burning, the ketone production. And it doesn't happen right away. It takes a while to stimulate those genes to produce the proteins to have the effect. And that's the keto adaptation phase. And during that phase, it generally takes a couple of weeks. You know, you should see your blood ketones would rise. But at the same time, you know, you get there by really restricting carbohydrate. And when you restrict carbohydrate, other things change in your body. First of all, the carbohydrate stored in your muscles and, and uh, in your liver in particular um, is glycogen. And glycogen, it stores about four times as much of its weight in water. So obviously, when you remove the glucose from your system, the first by not eating it, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to go to the stores in your liver. And you're going to pull that out, and water is going to come out with it. And so you're going to pee out that water. You're going to burn the glucose. So you're going to have a diuretic effect. And this is why people say, oh yeah, well, when you go on a ketogenic diet, it's just it's just water loss. That's all it is. Well, for the first two weeks, it probably is mostly water loss. But then after that, once you're burning fat, you will burn typically one to two pounds of fat per week. And that's why we typically see in 12 weeks, you know, and you probably see this 10 to 15 pounds for women, 20, 25 pounds for men are fat. Like it comes right off. And we can do DEXA, you know, to show sure that it's actually fat that's happening. So that happens. But also. And here's another thing about insulin that most people don't know. Insulin also makes you reabsorb sodium from your kidney. So in other words, it's not going in your urine. It's being reabsorbed from what would go into your urine and put back in your blood. Sodium is salt. Where salt goes, it will make things more concentrated. So our body responds by storing more water in the blood. And that can drive your blood pressure up, right? So blood pressure is directly, there's something called Poiseuille's Law. It's directly proportional to blood volume so if you have high insulin you're going to have high sodium retention high blood volume high blood pressure so what happens when you're on a ketogenic diet in the first couple of weeks your blood pressure can drop dramatically so so if you have hypertension you actually you know this is why you need to talk to your physician you might have to have a concomitant reduction in those antihypertensive drugs to prevent your blood pressure from going too low so you know people have had blood pressure that's uh, too high for decades all of a sudden their blood pressure is regulating again their blood sugar is regulating again And and just to relate back to the the studies we're doing too, we see the same changes consistently in that very ill population of women with metastatic breast cancer, the same changes as we see in elite athletes. In other words, uh, the effect, the positive benefit of a ketogenic diet works just as well for really ill people as it does for really healthy people, and it does improve the body composition. So you lose body fat for sure. Your insulin resistance improves, your inflammation goes down and all the other kind of health benefits. I'm sure you've talked about metabolic disease before, right? Which is a combination of, you know, the dyslipidemia, the fats get out of whack, the increased blood sugar, the waist size increases and blood pressure goes up. And that's really, to me, that that's, that's the thing exactly that, uh, ketogenic diet treats is that is that metabolic disease, which will then lead to all these other comorbidities.
0: So powerful. Uh, and I know you've done several studies, clinical studies. I want to talk about one of them. You did a six-month controlled study. Where uh, Share a little bit more about how that study worked and some of the outcomes that you saw from it.
1: Yeah, it's um, just going to press so I don't want to give away all our, uh, so. all our if you could, well, uh, part of it is also one of the researchers, Ryan Dickerson, it's part of his uh, research for his PhD thesis. So I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> say too much about that, but I can tell you, you know, first, first we found, I mean, we had a number of different questions. So this is a 12 week intervention for women with metastatic breast cancer. So it's stage four metastatic breast cancer. Um, essentially the medical community has done all they can for these women. And, you know, so they're very ill. Because they don't want a ketogenic diet to be confusing any other experimental drugs or whatever, that's the patient population we work with. So they're very motivated, but we put them on a ketogenic diet and we've had, you know, great success with them staying on it. They are taking, now I should, you know, some of the caveats. It's not a homogenous group. There are different types of breast cancer and they're single, double, triple positive. They're on different medications, the standard of care, usually uh, Zalota or Taxol, uh, you know, aromatase inhibitors, those sorts of things. So they are on drugs. And we then provide this intervention. And what we've seen over, so we do, we do initial blood draws, we do initial imaging. So we're using, it's the first clinical use of a PET-CT scan. So we're imaging the tumor mass itself. We're doing blood draws. We're doing daily draws of blood finger prick for ketones to make sure they're in ketosis. We feed them all of the food. We, we provide the food for them. So we know exactly what they're eating. So we know what the composition of that diet is. And so what we're seeing after six weeks, we do more of the measurements plus DEXA, so we know the body fat composition. Then we do it again. They go free living after that. So they learn how to cook for themselves, make meals and all that. And then we measure them again at 12 weeks. And so I would have to say, anecdotally speaking, we see significant improvements. First of all, there were no adverse effects. So none of the women in the study had any adverse effects that were related to the ketogenic diet. So first do no harm, right? We want to be sure that was the case. Secondly, and uh, perhaps most profoundly that we can say is the ketogenic diet had the same effect on these women as it does in a normal healthy population. So a very positive effect in terms of body composition and blood glucose and insulin levels and insulin resistance, all those things change for the positive. And so they're in better health. So one would presume that that would mean you would have a healthier uh, immune system and immune function, and perhaps that would help to reduce tumor masses. We did see reduction in tumor masses and tumor markers throughout the study and it was pretty consistent not everyone not all the time and again there are different types of cancer with different uh, cell types and so on. So I would say this is uh, emerging science and that it indicates that there is very positive therapeutic benefit to a well formulated ketogenic diet as a concomitant treatment in other words along with the standard of care. So There are no studies, although there are anecdotal things out there on the internet, you know, sometimes tumors spontaneously resolve. So you have cancer, it's going to kill you, and all of a sudden, it's gone. That's probably your, I mean, it's almost surely your immune system is suddenly becoming activated to that. We have other clinical studies that show that there is an increase in the positive immune effects, anti-cancer, anti-tumor immune effects. In a previous study, we also saw that in this study. So some of the there's called cytokines and chemokines. These are kind of like cell communications for white cells and other uh, elements of your um, innate immune system. We're seeing an upregulation of the ones that are anti tumor So there may be a mechanism by which those tumors are reduced. And you know, I mean one the um, patient study is only 13, so it's very small. but uh, I mean one one just just cancer went away. So was that the diet? I don't know. I mean, it didn't hurt. <laughs> uh, she's certainly better. And we don't follow them up after the 12 weeks. That's part of the ethics thing. We, we So we don't know what happened after that. But but yeah, I mean, imagine that, where you're told to go home and get your affairs in orders in six weeks. then this is six weeks later, the tumors are all gone.
0: It's amazing.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, as I say, the medical community is them. So... Yeah, I, I, and I do get lots of emails and stuff from people. I'm happy to address them when I can, but, but I, I do want to emphasize again, you, you need to do this. You, if you're going to do this, you need to talk to your physician about it. It might be contraindicated for reasons I also mentioned in the book. And you need to tell your oncologist is what you're doing. I think it will start, it, it is being used in more and more places as a concomitant treatment for, for cancer. But again, going back to the top of our, our, our discussion, it's a really good way to prevent it.
0: And that's the key—prevention. That's what we want to do. A lot of people listening are probably listening and watching for prevention, so it's perfect.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, if you're not a keto fan, you're going to say, "Well, we don't have enough research to show that it caused prevention." I go, "Well, there's not enough money on the planet to do that experiment because we would need, you know, tens of thousands of people. We'd have to actually buy and feed them food for thirty years and see what the rates of cancer are in one against the other. We're just never going to do that. But what we can do." Is see how ketogenic diets work as a therapeutic for cardiovascular disease, for diabetes, uh, and now for cancer and and even some other conditions. We could talk about neurological conditions, and so on. So if it has a positive effect once you have the disease, it should it would follow have a positive effect in preventing the disease in the first place. And as I say, if you're if you're correcting the metabolic issue uh, that leads to chronic disease, and then you're also stimulating the innate immune system to be more vigilant against cancer, then yeah, I think it's 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 I think it's the best lifestyle choice that anyone can make. But with the caveat, it's not for everyone. Ketogenic diets work pretty well with about seven out of eight people. And there's about one out of eight people. It, it doesn't work. There's a very, very small percentage of people that have genetic disorders. They can't metabolize ketones properly and so on, for which it would be contraindicated. And then, you know, there's, there's other conditions. So, you know, pregnancy, breastfeeding, you know, you need to discuss that with your physician. But for the, you know, 88% of American adults are overweight or obese. So that's our target audience, Ben. Those are the people we're trying to help. And if you consider the seven out of eight of them are probably going to really benefit from a ketogenic diet, we, we, you, you, you have, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> and I have to give a shout out to my friends and Jeff Bullock's involved and Dr. Stephen Finney. Uh, and Sarah Hallberg until she passed away, sadly, at, at Berta. is doing, I mean, their goal is to get a hundred billion, sorry, a hundred million people to reverse diabetes. So to reverse diabetes and hundred million people. That's their goal. And they're they're on pace. Like they are helping that they they their system is they get paid by the insurers, the health insurers. And if it doesn't work, they don't get paid. And they're just having amazing results. We now have five-year data coming out of them, showing amazing results. Um, Ninety-plus percent of people can reduce the need for diabetic medication and type two diabetes. Sixty-four or five percent long-term complete reversal. In other words, as long as they stay on the diet, they don't need drugs at all. And and, and right now, you know, the the spending hundreds of billions billions a year treating diabetes. The estimate is that by twenty thirty, in the U.S. alone. By 2030, which is not that far away now, uh, the US will be spending $660 billion just treating type 2 diabetes at present rates, which is, to put that in context, it's about the same as the defense budget is in 2022. For, for a disease that, that didn't really exist 100 years ago in a significant number.
0: Right, yeah, that's absurd. We do have work to do. And Verda is doing incredible work. You're, you're right. Hey, Keto Camper, it is time to get your shift together. What do I mean? Sugar Shift is a unique probiotic designed as a working system to convert the sugars, glucose and fructose, in your gut to the free radical scavenger manitol, which also feeds a healthy gut microbiome, supports the mitochondria, and by the way. It increases the production of butyrate, which helps protect the gut lining and is one of the main ketone bodies. You heard of it, beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is one of my favorite formulas. It's an eight-strain formula built as a working system to provide specific gut functions and it's unique in its probiotic formulation. One of my favorite things about this product is that it breaks down and detoxifies glyphosate. The product also includes strains that has been shown to improve muscle mass and support changes in body mass. I've used it with several of my Keto Camp Academy students and they have reported to me. it has helped them with their sugar cravings. It helped them with their transition from sugar burner to fat burner, helps to keep them in ketosis and take the results to another level, helps when they hit a plateau, improves digestion. In a recent study, Biotequest, the company that makes sugar shift, showed huge improvements in blood sugar reduction, A1C, Reduction, also reducing LPS, which is an endotoxin that can create inflammation in your body. If you'd like to get your hands on a bottle of Sugar Shift from Biotiquest, head to Biotiquest.com, which is spelled B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T, and then put the coupon code Camp K-A-M-P one zero at checkout, and also check out their other products as well. We'll drop links down below with the coupon code in the podcast notes now let's talk a little bit about the lipid panel a lot of people who do keto they're increasing their healthy fats hopefully it's the healthy fats not the bad fats what are some of the things you've seen trends with hdl ldl maybe if you could unpack a little bit hdl ldl triglycerides and the full picture also looking at crp and other inflammatory markers to get a good idea because the common question i get on my youtube channel on my youtube videos is i started to do keto and my total cholesterol went up and my doctor wants me to stop or my doctor wants me to go on a statin solely on the total cholesterol. So can we get a good idea of why there's more moving parts and pieces to the puzzle than just total cholesterol?
1: Yeah, uh, you're yeah, sure. I mean, I can tell you what, what my opinion is. I'm not a physician, right? So I'm, I don't really interpret. And by the way, you know, if people do want to get in touch with me, I can't you know, treat cancer. That's not what I do. I can help you with diet. But you know, I get people that give me their whole medical history and that sort of thing, which which is fine. But I, I can't comment on our you know clinical studies. I can tell you, you know, what things you want to measure. So in terms of the lipid panel, so there's the cholesterol they measure. There's you know there's uh, total cholesterol, and then and they're not named well, but the so-called bad cholesterol, the LDL cholesterol, which is low density lipoprotein. It's not actually cholesterol itself. It's the protein carrier that includes that. Then there's the high-density lipoprotein, which is so-called good cholesterol. So the general, very, very general thing is you want less of the LDL and more of the HDL. And so it's actually the ratio between those two that are pretty good. And they've been trying to work on drugs. You know, they have statins that lower your LDL. They've been trying to work on drugs to raise HDL for decades, and they can't make it work. But three things improve HDL. One is uh, exercise two is alcohol <laughs> so the well-formulated t- ketogenic diet is you can you know have a glass of wine or even two a day if you're a guy uh and you don't have alcohol in your alcoholism in your family you know you're not going to be an operating machine or you're driving a car all that so those caveats uh but alcohol is probably a pretty good thing um and the third one is saturated fats and so on a ketogenic we're not afraid of saturated fats there's no relationship between saturated fat in the diet and cardiovascular disease that just was never really existed, they thought maybe, but no, it's actually got a lot more to do with how much sugar you have in your diet. And you talk about good fats and bad fats. In terms of the diet, what you want to avoid are those vegetable oils and any trans fats, hydrogenated vegetable oils. Those are really bad for you. So animal like lard is great. Butter, especially if it's from grass-fed cows because that's high in omega-3, so that's great. I mean, I eat tons of that. So I, this is my tea. You know, My tea is with whipping cream, right? It's full fat cream. I get fat wherever I can. And and I you know I get my blood work done all the time doesn't doesn't do anything. So if you have a diet, the other thing that changes with a ketogenic diets, your triglycerides, which are the actual circulating fats, that goes way down because that's what you're burning now. That's your fuel. So you're burning that regularly. So you take it out of your blood and you also take it out of your fat stores. So that's why you lose fat on a ketogenic diet.
0: If somebody um just to cut you off real quick, if somebody's doing a lot of those like fatty coffees, fatty teas, how long should they? Stop that before a blood test for triglycerides. If they had that like within twelve hours,
1: will it show up on that triglyceride blood test? No, no, no. I'd say the fasting. It'll, it'll no. It's so so you can't. I mean, if you load it up with saturated fat and, and went and did a test right after that, but a fasting test, you should be fine. You know, a few hours, it'll it'll be gone. The, the what the lipoproteins do is they're basically fat carriers. And so if you're burning fats now, it's kind of like they're transporter trucks. So for a lot of people, they'll get an increase in LDL. These are the transport trucks taking the fat from fat stores to be burned in the cells. But there's different particle sizes and numbers in there. And so the light fluffy kind of LDL doesn't correlate with cardiovascular disease. It's the small particle stuff that does. And you don't get small particle LDL when you're in ketosis. But you do get lots of the light fluffy stuff. So your LDL goes up. And in about a third of like mine is in range, but in about a third of women cuz most of most of who I work with are women that are postmenopausal, they'll see an increase in LDL that will be out of range. If it's isolated, that's a different thing than if it's associated with low HDL, high triglycerides, high blood pressure, and so on. But if it's just that one number, we don't really know, um, other than what I've already explained, why that would increase in some people and not others, and whether there's a health risk to that particular, like having too much light, fluffy LDL in your system. We don't know the cellular mechanism. I don't think anybody has studies on that. You know what they—the clinic, the medical people—usually refer to as FH, familial hypercholesteremia, which are very young. It's a gene, and you have way too much cholesterol, and that kind of irritates the lining. So these are people that have heart attacks in their 30s and so on. And that's kind of what they go on. So if you have too much LTL for too LDL for too long, you're going to get atherosclerosis. We don't know about people that are, you know, postmenopausal women with just high LTL so you, the hdl goes up and the ldl goes up so of course your total like cholesterol goes up and it'll be off uh, outside of range but the ratio of the two is what's important and perhaps and there is quite a bit of evidence now the better marker is the ratio of hdl and triglycerides so well, you want the hdl to be high and the triglycerides to be low and and if that's the case then what are you treating with a statin just to lower the ldl like if and you know, you can also do a coronary calcium score to see, you know, the state of your, which is probably a good thing to do if you can do it. And you know, in some cases, if you you can get an angiogram to see if you're, you know, if you have if your arteries are clean. And my wife and co-author Dale Drury, she's an example because she had an aortic valve replacement just recently. So uh, her LDL is the only thing; her LDL is really high. Everything else is gold standard, absolutely off the charts. And she had an angiogram completely clean, coronary calcium score zero. So we just don't know at this point. And so, you know, it's all sample size of one. But So it's complicated, but it it is not unusual to see LDL to rise, especially in postmenopausal women. And you can knock that back with a statin, but statins have side effects and you have to measure that yourself. It would be great if we had, I've been looking for it, but it doesn't exist yet. Long-term studies on the effect of isolated... LDL on cardiovascular disease, and that just that data doesn't exist. So uh, again, something to discuss with your physician. But remember, your physician has to follow the standard of care, which is if LDL is too high, put people on a statin.
0: Right. Yeah. And and typically they're not. They're just measuring total LDL. And to your point, there's different particle sizes. So if you're getting, I like a test called the NMR, nuclear magnetic resonance, which is splitting up those particles, small and sticky. Large and fluffy, and then that gives you more of an accurate measurement. But even with that, you also want to look at the other markers, HDL and triglycerides, and get that ratio. And then also maybe your inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein and homocysteine and and, and fasting insulin, and then get a full picture. And then you could make more of an educated decision. A lot of people jump to the gun because they're the doctor and very powerful lab coat tells you, you know, your total LDL and HD, uh, your total LDL and cholesterol is up. This is a problem. This keto is not working for you, but there's so many other moving parts. So I hope this empowers you to have a better conversation with your doctor and request those other markers, and then you could make a better decision.
1: Uh, or just ask, "What if it's just the LDL and everything else is yeah. great?" What? And and by the way, we should add, you know, your blood pressure is fine, and you know. Obesity or whatever, so
0: you're losing weight, you feel better. Like yeah, then
1: what you're suggesting, and that's all. That's all, I talk about all the different tests. I show the book here in the in the bio diet, it sort of looks like there. We they got an egg on there because that's like nature's perfect food, right? So yeah, yesterday um, I had
0: eight of them. I'm doing carnivore eggs have been a staple for me right now. Yeah, yeah well,
1: and the cholesterol in the eggs is not going to affect the cholesterol in your system. It's your, you produce that in your liver, you know, as, as needed, but. So, so, yeah, there's still lots of questions to answer about it, but we, we're not seeing negative health effects. And by the way, there was a study out recently, I, I believe it was Dr. Ludwig as well, um, looking at uh, carnivores because there's enough people doing carnivore and, and not seeing adverse effects for people on carnivore diets. Uh, I don't think it's too long term. I think it's like a six-month window or something like that. None of those expected, you know, you're going to die of cardiovascular disease if you're eating meat all the time. No, it's And actually, the study just out a Dana study yesterday Looking at not just meat but also processed meat. Looking at all of the evidence that that is related to cancer, basically saying there's none of that is robust or convincing. And I, you know, I think you should probably limit the processed meat, you know, and like wieners and stuff. That's not really meat. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but but you know, I don't. You don't need to be afraid of chicken, pork, beef, you know, and fish, and you know, eat, all, eat all you want, eat all the fat. It's not going to hurt you. Uh, now, you you can't do that if you're also going to like drink soda pop that's full of sugar because you, know, you don't want to do that in the absence of the carbohydrate all that stuff uh, will probably improve your health if you're eating a standard american diet that sad diet you know
0: yeah i did an experiment a couple years ago with carnivore where i did 40 days straight of carnivore and on day one i did a full lab panel very comprehensive where i did my c-reactive protein hscrp Thyroid panel, fasting insulin, uh, lipid particles, uh, a complete lipid panel, and then of course I did 40 days to see how I felt, and I felt incredible. And I was already doing keto and kind of doing keto flexing where I go in and out of ketosis. But then I, my results went to another level. You know, I just felt better, brain felt better, uh, skin complexion improved. And then on day 40, I did the whole panel again, the same panel before I broke my carnivore. All of these markers improved. Like my, my um, C reactive protein was already pretty good. It was 1.1, and then it dropped 0. 0.5 after 40 days of carnivore. Homocysteine went from, I think, 8.0 to 5 point something. So that dropped a couple points. Uh, my fasting insulin dropped a little bit. Uh, my LDL did go up, right? Um, but everything else improved, and my HDL went up with it. So it was a great experiment for me. That's just my personal experiment. So now from time to time, Couple times per year, sometimes three times per year, I'll do thirty to forty days of carnivore. So I'm doing it right now, June, with a lot of my Keto Camp Academy students, and I feel awesome with carnivore personally.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I a lot of people report. I haven't tried it myself, but you know, I'm I'm not averse to it at all. I but I but actually, what you're describing is is pretty typical of not just carnivore but the ketogenic diets in general. It's that improvement, and so. Uh, but you know, we should. Also emphasize the fact that, you know, diet does need to be personalized. Everybody reacts to foods differently on an individual basis, which is why, you know, I always tell people don't, don't do this, you know, at home on your own based on a YouTube video or whatever. Um, you will get the best results if you have the best education about how to safely adopt a ketogenic diet, how to maintain it, sustain it. And you need to get a little bit of coaching. So there are, you know, lots of not so much dietitians because they're kind of regulated, but there's lots of nutritionists and there's folks like yourself with Keto Camp. That can provide that. And that's kind of why I mean the reason I wrote biodiet was, was so that people would have the clinically established evidence. And so the first half of that book tells you why, why we're in the mess ran, why ketogenic diets. It's really pretty much a reiteration of our conversation this morning. The second is like the five steps. Here's how you do it. Here's, you know, first you get all those measurements like you did, it was the right thing, you know, talk to your physician. You know, then you, then you just ease into it and then you do the keto adaptation and then, you know, you go for the 12 weeks, and then you decide what to do at the end of that. Is it working for you or not? And it's all very, you know, safe and laid out. And uh, I, it's not a recipe book, though. I, it's not I like a cookbook. It's, it's a how-to but, and a why-to. And that, I think, empowers people to continue. So in our uh, one of our clinical results, we developed this model for coaching people clinically, which would probably be interesting. We call it the Moses model. And MOSES is an acronym, like M-O-S-E-S, so it's motivation. So usually people come to keto because they want to lose weight, you know, 95% plus, which is great. You lose weight, but as you and I were saying, we're much more interested in improving your metabolic health. But that's your motivation. Opportunity, we're providing you the opportunity. You got Keto Camp, you got my book, you got, you know, there's more and more keto restaurants opening up. You have the opportunity now. Don't wait till it's broken to try and fix it. The best thing to do is to prevent it from happening in the first place. So start today, you know, if you got a wedding on the weekend, maybe wait till after the wedding. <laughs> you know, and you're going to eat a lot, but start soon. Sooner's better. And and then, so that's the the motivation, the opportunity, and then the support. So you need to have support from people like you, from me, from the book, from your family, from your friends to let them know what you're doing and why. And don't try and, you know, don't try and break me down and tell me it's wrong and it's crazy and it's a fad, you know. And then E is for education, which again we're trying to do with our with your keto camp with my book. And then the last one is 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 sustainability. So that's the Moses is sustainability. And that's that's the trickiest one. I mean, I talk to a lot of people, say, oh yeah, you know, I tried keto, it didn't work. And I first of all I don't know what they were eating and I don't know what they meant by keto. And a lot of people just take carbs out of their diet, but they don't increase the fat. So then they're just in calorie restriction and that'll lower your metabolic rate and that's why it doesn't work because you've lowered your metabolic rate and you've biased your body to storing fat so so you have to get the right methodology first educate yourself first and then go into it and that and that uh that's your ticket to success um uh, but i've been i don't know how long you've been keto, a long time i think we're past 10 years now um my wife and i and uh yeah i'm, I'm seeing i mean keto is a research thing. It really took off around early two thousands in terms of the research world. So now it's you know, for example, you talked about your skin condition. I think a lot of young people don't know that, um, particularly women, because it's uh, PCOS is uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. That is an insulin resistance condition, which can be treated with ketogenic diet. And when you do your your complexion will clear up too. Uh, one of the best ways to clear up bad complexion is is uh, through a ketogenic diet.
0: Yeah, so many benefits to it. And your book is a great resource. I think I think uh, it's also a great resource for somebody who could share the research in your book to their doctor or even give the doctor <laughs> the book. And maybe you could review this and see if this is a good approach for me and your book's available uh, over at biodiet.org.
1: Yeah, Biodiet.org.
0: Yeah, org. I'll put it down I'll put the link down below. And then it's also available on
1: Audible and you did it with your wife, right? It was a yeah. co narrative narrated with your wife yeah so if you <laughs> like my kind of high-pitched nasal voice uh, my wife and I she's got a nice sultry voice but you know, we read it ourselves yeah so uh and yeah it, all the all the formats you know you get the hardcover book hard copy I should say which is soft cover uh or audiobook or, or ebook uh all the all you know online internet sales all that sort of thing it's available through the website biodive.org and there's also if I can mention um in there uh at the top of the page there's a little link resources and in those resources, and I have a lot of the podcasts and video and stuff that I've done too. But I, all of the figures that are in the book are in there. The the shopping list, the grocery shopping list, is in there. Uh, you don't have to give me your email or anything. You can just go and download that yourself. And uh, and then there's a, there's a whole bunch of other information, like all of the the science. But I I don't have them listed as the primary sources because you know it's hard. It's pretty dense for a lot of people. That cellular molecular stuff. So it's as reported in uh, the secondary media sources, you know, like Medscape and those sorts of um, uh, presentations. So it's links to those, and then that will link to the primary studies if you want to look at those. But we've got it categorized, and if you look on there, there's probably I don't know 30 different categories for which ketogenic diets have benefits, right? All different disease conditions. So, so you you know, if your if your uh, your your viewers and your listeners are have a particular condition, they can go on to that resources thing, and they can. Uh, find the evidence that uh, supports uh, the therapeutic use of a ketogenic diet for that particular condition.
0: That's fantastic. So it's biodiet.org to find that. We'll put a link down below. Anywhere else you want to send them, David?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we did, they can go to um, uh, Keto Chow. There's, if they go to, uh, uh, I guess it's Keto Salt Lake. So go to Keto Salt Lake. You can put my name in uh, or Ben's name in. We're right after each other. There's, there's sort of one continuous one, then they have the individual ones. The other one that I would, I, I think people might benefit from, since we're you know we're not through COVID yet, is I presented last year. So again, if you go to um, uh, Keto Salt Lake Twenty Twenty One with my name with Harper or whatever on YouTube. Way right? yeah, you're talking about YouTube, right? Yeah, it's YouTube that it's on yeah. on there. Yeah, but you can Google it and find it there that way too. But it's um, I, I I go through the science that supports the potential benefits of a ketogenic diet for covid so in other words preventing it preventing it from taking hold if it take hold how it benefits your immune system in terms of getting and there's um you know there's a really good uh paper by uh, janelle Ayers a while back that sort of summarized that but i i've summarized a lot of the uh data around uh and it's just because we haven't done the experiment so it's just hypothetical but if you look at all the ways in which ketogenic diets affect your immune system it should, in theory, have tremendous benefit to protect you from uh, that. And, and maybe best of all is the people that have the worst outcomes are the people that are in poor metabolic health. We know that. So if you get yourself in good metabolic health, then your resistance is, we know, we know for a fact that you're going to have a better outcome, right? So so that's that alone, but then there's all these cellular molecular ones. So you can have a look at those two. The one we I did this year, it's the cancer one, the ketogenic one. That would probably get, you know, they'll be sick of me by then, but <laughs> it's
0: all there I'll have Rachel. uh, She does our podcast notes. Rachel is going to put the Keto Salt Lake lecture that David did on cancer. We'll put the link down below the one a year ago on the immune system. And then my lecture will be... So everything's down below for those watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast. We'll put it down below. Just click it and you can watch it today. Last question for you is,
1: what are you grateful for today, David? I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk to you, to talk to your, your listeners and viewers that I discovered ketogenic diet so my wife and I can live a happier healthier life and grateful just for the opportunity to share that what I discovered as a scientist with people not through scientific literature or having to take my courses but through avenues like what you provided uh, so they can they can hear and, and learn of the benefits and get on with it as soon as possible and then and I, you will live a, a happier healthier life. Uh, If you, if you pursue this and, and uh, yeah, please send you, uh, you, they can, uh, my email is on the website there too. They can email me if they have any questions uh, for follow-up, but yeah, what are you grateful for?
0: (laughs) Well, I love what you shared. I'm grateful that we had this conversation. Uh, It was so valuable. There's uh, so many things in my notes that I still wanted to get to. So we'll do round two later this year. So I'm grateful that we have the technology and the research to have conversations like this, that I believe give people a lot of hope, and uh, the research to back up why we believe they should give this a shot and customize it, of course, to their unique needs. So I'm grateful that we have this conversation. I'm grateful that it was a nice sunny day and I played some basketball earlier today before it started to rain. <laughs> and I'm grateful that my dog is sleeping right here next to me. So, so many things to be grateful for today. David, uh, I want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing. I think it's amazing. I love how committed you are you would uh, make your mom very proud with the research you're doing and all the people you're helping and all the people you're preventing from getting not just breast cancer, but cancer overall. So thank you for what you're doing. We'll do round two and uh, keep up the great work my friend.
1: I'll look forward to that, my friend.
0: Hey, I hope you enjoyed that fantastic conversation. I told you we were gonna go geek out together. Hey, you might wanna listen to that a couple times or watch the YouTube interview, which is the video format. Of the same interview. All of our interviews here on the podcast can be found on our YouTube channel. Head to youtube.com slash KetoCamp to watch this one and all previous ones as well. Go get his book, Bio Diet, over at biodiet.org. We'll put a link for that down below. We'll put a link for our social media down below. And please consider leaving the KetoCamp podcast a rating and review if you got any value from this conversation and share it with somebody. Remember, prevention is the name of the game. Share it with somebody you know, somebody who you believe would take a lot of value from this conversation. Copy and paste the link, put it in a text message and say, hey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this podcast episode. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode with Dr. David Harper and myself. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We are super grateful. I appreciate you, Keto Camper, very much. Have a great day and I'll see you on the next episode.